This is Garage Logic Podcast number 111, March 5, 19. Oh, no. No, it's not. Well, no. you, got the, you got the last two right. You just forgot the 2000. March 5, 2019. There we go. 14 below on this day in 1960. And I remember this because I was riding a motorcycle. 72 degrees in the year 2000 on this day. Wow. Ain't getting there today. Not here in Gumption and County. Now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. It's called Garage Logic. Remember where it all started. Apple, Google, Amazon, Harley, Disney, Mattel, Ford Motor Company. Hewlett Packard. Hewlett Packard. Moral of the story, buy a garage. Emailer Steve sent me that. Remember where it all started. Apple, Google, Amazon, Harley, Disney, Mattel. I added Ford, and you added Hewlett Packard. Wax hands. Wax Wax hands. Started in the garage. (laughs) Fantastic industry. I saw the original. Remember you joke about you wish you would have had the guy that didn't have the arm come over? Yes. I saw the original list. Of that night, yep. of how many kids went away with wax hands, yeah, and the number of uh, family members you had walking away with free product, yeah, I'd say we're even as a lead investor. Really? I'd say we're even. <laughs> yeah, I'd say they walked out of there with about forty grand worth of wax. I don't so. think we're even at all. I don't even think we're close. Remember the uh, Zulu. Uh, Social club that yeah. came up yesterday down yeah. in New Orleans, black people accused of blackface. Uh, we have a correspondent, Daniel, who said, I attended the Zulu Social Club Parade early this morning. Really? I'm happy to report some folks wore blackface, some didn't, and nobody gave a crap. Everybody had a great time. Huh. You're right. just requesting beads and what you need to do to see beads. That's, <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh why Why have you, uh, how did you come across this letter that you wrote? Uh, I was going through some paperwork in the, in the storage in the basement, and I stumbled upon a school folder. And I, I zipped through it, and I've, I've already provided you with the paper I wrote, What Motivates Me, years ago. Years at the ago. state fair, your sister showed up with a paper you had done in about second grade. Yes, exactly. What and motivates you? And the answer was essentially not much. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I was set my uh, I set my sights. Well, I have long. to read this. This is a letter uh, you would have written when you were nine. Yeah, what's the date on it? Seventy nine. May 14, 1979. Okay, yeah, nine or ten. Of you course, got you light? got a comma between May and fourteen. You know, I was having. I don't tr- have enough light. I was having. I trouble. want a reading here. I was having trouble with my laptop at the time. This uh, this this deserves <laughs> wait a, a, a wait a minute. This wait deserves a, a reading, Johnny. You know what we should do here? What? Because people love when we do this on Twitter. Yes. You should film this and put this uh, very inspirational, heartfelt reading uh, on social. Can I media. have my volume on this thing? Uh, how about that, bro? <laughs> oh no. You're not going to be good. What's the title of it? Dear Sonny. Sonny was John David Winters Jr., who lived down the block from me on Juno, moved away to Rosemount in first or second grade, and I hadn't seen him in a while. He was uh, Craig and Sonny were a couple of my best pals. And for God would only know, seriously, only God would know 
why this is typed. I know it's why. It's typewritten. I know why it's typed. I'm sure at that age I may have been maybe a handful to my mother. Sure. So I'm sure Judith was smart enough to Give say. Give me a typewriter to shut you up. You know up. what? This ought to take at least two hours. Give them a project. Give them a project. Here. Here's some typing paper. I don't care if you make it. And, and Sonny's a buddy who moved away from the neighborhood. John Winters. I wish I could uh, find him. His dad uh, worked at Danikers on Randolph. Dear Sonny, how are you? Well, I fine. <laughs> First, I wanted, I wanted's one word, to wish your mother, elate, which is one word, happy Mother's Day. That's the Eddie Haskell in me. Secondly. Wishing, wishing Kathy Winters a happy Mother's Day. Bowls school going. Oh. Probably meant to say how's school going. I bet. With our fine. Are you playing any sports? Well, I am playing ochre. Yeah. Probably meant soccer. Yeah, this wasn't working. Sure. We are, one word, 0-2. Yep. Our first game, we lost 17 to nothing. That's why I hate it's soccer. It's hard to do in soccer. It really is. We just played our second game today and lost 5 to nothing. Hopefully, hopefully we will win, one word, our next game on Monday. Probably Monday. I got it. How's the tig? Tiger was a, a big... It was a boxer that they had, big, huge boxer that was very sweet and fun to, you know, play ball with. Well, happy is fine. That's my schnauzer. See, I'm detecting a pattern here. You ask a question and then respond about yourself. <laughs> so in the opening <laughs> sentence, you say, how are you? Well, I'm fine. Well, I'm not fine. even waiting for an answer. No, you I? don't wait no, for an no, answer. Right. You say, how's Tiger? Well, happy's fine. Happy's fine. He's barking up a stone, chasing squirrels. <laughs> how's your schnauzer? Yeah. Paul just got a job at Daniker's. Did you know that me and Craig got in a fight? Craig was my next-door neighbor at the time. I'm still friends with Craig. Then you answer yourself and say, well, we did. Yeah. Well, we did. You didn't even know that? My dad said I did a pretty good fight. What the hell? Like dad was watching from the picture window. Lower. Hit him on the right. Right side. Jab, jab, jab. Switch hands. my dad said I did a pretty good fight. Tommy Angle was... By me? He was another friend. He was he was another onlooker. Apparently there was no one there to stop the fight. It was Apparently just not. hordes of people in there watching us. And he was tempted, and you you attempted to uh, put a hyphen uh, to take that word tempted to the next sentence, but you put the hyphen after the M. So oh. you, you were tempted, tempted to punch Craig right in the mouth. M-U-O-T-H. And then Craig <laughs> kicked... Kicked if, uh, kicked the right one between the legs. No, what did I cross out? I don't know. But Tommy, uh, you you missed said, a, no, you missed a, you're missing you missed a key sentence. Yeah, there. you really oh, did. You missed oh, a key sentence. Oh, there. kicked him right in the penis <laughs> between the legs, but which then, is a good spot for yes. it. I mean, it's not going to be elsewhere. But I then you know my. My, I guess you know, my, Catholic, kids. my Catholic upbringing thought maybe that was a bit too strong for so Sonny. crossed it out. So I went back and I just did the yeah. hyphen, hyphen to cross it out. But Tommy did not punch him. Well, I just wanted to talk to someone. <laughs> <laughs> Friend, always Matt. Oh. Yeah. It's just one of the worst things I've ever seen oh in my, my life. You had no skill whatsoever. I did you're, you're, you're at this point... Uh, 
You're ten years. You're eleven years old. Well, that's pretty good for a ten year old. Isn't for eleven, I got. I know six years old do better than this. You know, there's well, a lot to glean from this letter, well, including yeah. the fact that you had love se- to answer his own questions. Did that, yeah. but he lo- he had several misspellings except for the word penis. That's correct. That yeah, one he I got. got. That one right he on nailed there. that he one. Nailed that one capital. pretty good. You nailed that one pretty good. Well, if uh, John David Winters or his brother Todd, this will bring him out of the woodwork. Uh, Kathy, oh his mother, or John Senior, I would love to get in touch with him. I've not seen him for. 40 years. See, we all know that one size rarely fits anyone. That's why Federated Insurance representatives can customize the coverage your business or industry needs. They offer property and casualty, life and disability income to uh, businesses and select industries. But the best part is their marketing representatives get to know you, the business owner, and that allows them to customize the coverage you need. And these reps stay around. These aren't fly-by-night guys. They love that company. They've been there a long time. You worried about uh, driving? They'll talk to you about auto liability. A cyber attack? You might need data compromise coverage. Your business is unique. You need an insurance carrier. Who treats it that way? Get in touch with a Federated Insurance Marketing Rep to see how their second-to-none service can help your business thrive. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours. Disappeared. That's right. We'll listen to Dylan. Hi, everybody. We're going to have a guest here after Johnny's news coming up shortly. A fellow named uh, Dylan Donnelly wrote an editorial in the Pioneer Press over the weekend, essentially uh, contending that St. Paul is unprepared for the mandated minimum wage increase, that the rulers in the salon really haven't uh, done their uh, due diligence on this and how to bring it about. And I want to get uh, Dylan Donnelly's uh, uh, views on what he thinks the city uh, should have done or needs to do before this mandated minimum wage increase, was, which is essentially an ordinance, uh, comes into play. He lives in St. Paul. He was a member of the Citizens League Minimum Wage Study Committee, and he serves on the St. Paul Business Review Council. So Dylan Donnelly, who uh, emailed us and said he's attempting to push back, he'll be joining us on the show uh, after Johnny Height's newscast, which is coming up. Say, I guess it has to be pointed out that it's a conservative government watchdog group that filed a complaint with the Federal Election Commission accusing Alexandria Occasional Cortex. She is the face of the Democratic Party. Yes. She is the new Democratic Party. So if you're a Democrat out there, this is your leader, your 29-year-old leader, Occasional Cortex. Uh, the... Uh, Watchdog Group contends that her top aide funneled a million dollars in donations into private accounts. That would be a violation of the law. <laughs> the transfers were made by Sekat Chakra Bharati, Occasional Cortex's chief of staff, and may have run afoul of the Federal Election Campaign Act that places a limit of five grand on contributions from political action committees to candidates. The Washington Examiner reported Tuesday, because, of course, the Washington Post wouldn't. 
The complaint filed Monday by the National Legal and Policy Center said the transfers violated the law because PACs must disclose what these funds were used for, such as advertisements, payments to vendors, and donations to candidates. The private companies Chakra Chakra Bharti moved the money to are not subject to those requirements. The National Legal and Policy Center wants the FEC to audit the two operations in question, Brand New Congress PAC and Justice Democrats PAC claiming they were part of an elaborate scheme to avoid proper disclosure of campaign expenditures. Will any time get spent on this? Uh, The Democrats are united in their daily attempt to impeach Trump. Mm -hmm. This should probably skate on this kind of crap. Mm -hmm. Accused of diverting a million bucks. Uh, Do you think anything will come of it? Of course not. She's the new, well, she's your Democratic Party. She's the new Democratic Party. But Hillary's even given side. up. Hillary's even given up, by the way. Yeah. She's announced she won't run in 2020, but that she'll stay around. Thank you, Hillary, for that update. <laughs> she'll stick around with her hot sauce? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Anderson, director of the National Legal and Policy Center's Government Integrity Project, said he's never seen a more ambitious operation to circumvent reporting requirements. Occasional Cortex has been quite vocal in condemning so-called dark money, but her own campaign went to great lengths to avoid the sunlight of disclosure, he said in a statement. Uh, Chakra Bharti's PACs raised $3.3 million in 2016 and 2017. In the same period, the PACs transferred more than a million to two companies controlled by Chakra Bharti, Brand New Campaign LLC and Brand New Congress LLC. What the hell? The payments were for strategic consulting. Sure. Oh, strategic. Sure. Chakrabarty declined to comment, as did Corbin Trent, a spokesman for Occasional Cortex. Isn't that something? This little sweetheart got her, uh, got caught in a ringer there, didn't mm-hmm. she? Careful. I, I mean, that's I, red-handed. I, I was careful. Yeah, right. Thank uh, you. <laughs> uh, the Post, uh, the Washington Post reported in its Sunday editions that good government Groups were also raising questions about whether Chakrabarty violated campaign finance laws through payments made and received by the PAC's brand new Congress and Justice Democrats. I wasn't ever going to bring her up, but my new philosophy is, nope, she's the Democratic Party now, and we have to acknowledge that. Keep her within she and reach. our own Representative Ilhan Omar. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Who Cortez has uh, defended on Twitter. No. Uh, I'm shocked Omar's by that. Uh, remarks on uh, Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's from Fox News. Occas- Occasional Cortex Chief of Staff illegally moved 885 grand in campaign contributions Ooh. off the books, according to an FEC complaint. Well, uh, I don't know how you Democrats uh, feel about her. Is it because, you know, she initially said she just couldn't afford the rent? Think that had something to do with it? Well, she's she landed on her feet in that regard. She's got a nice pad. She's sleeping yeah. on someone's couch, or and again, she, uh... and again, I don't care. She lives in a, a an estate on the on the what's the river there, the Potomac. I don't care if she lives on an estate. You just don't get to lecture the rest of us about your uh, your uh, efforts to develop equity and quality and everything else, which you intend to do arbitrarily and whimsically. And uh, but you are the new Democratic Party in this country. Uh, Hillary's gone, and uh, old Billy's gone, and uh, Pelosi's getting up there in years. So uh, occasional cortex is the future. 
<laughs> along with Ilhan Omar. That's the future of the party. Oh my God. That's about as bleak as it gets. What about Bernie? You throwing Bernie in there oh, too? Bernie's Bernie. Bernie's, Bernie's not going to go anywhere. He's too. He's too ancient. There was a great uh, photo of him. I think it was yesterday or the day before. He has his hands up and he says. Bernie Sanders walks into a bar. Free drinks for everybody. Yeah. Who's yeah. buying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bernie with his what? Two or three homes and just another private jet flights, which is all great. You just don't get the lecturous. Mm-hmm. You don't get to give me your speech. And all these new people throwing their hat in the ring. They want to make climate. Well, I got a climate change segment today that I try to keep them fresh. I try to keep them fresh so it doesn't sound like a daily hectoring for me, the great denier, mm-hmm. because I'm not the denier. I've never denied. No, but you've been you've been you've been called that by uh, people that are true believers, right? Yeah. I'm I've never denied that the climate changes, always has, always will. That's just the way nature works. You disagree with the, the true believers on how or I just, why? I just knew changing. it would give birth to the likes of occasional cortex and the rest of these fruitcakes who who actually think that uh, uh, this is a great new scam for them to enlarge government and create revenue streams. And and if you wanted to get really dark about it, it's a great new scam for uh, socialists to tell the rest of us how to live and what we might pursue and how limited our freedoms might be uh, because Mysterians don't like people. Right, that's true. They just don't like people. They're becoming truer as we go along. Mm -hmm. It is sneaking in everywhere, too. Oh, John, Any story you read about anything darn near these days. There was a review today of a a new book in the Wall Street Journal, and the guy (laughs) said he wrote the book based on what global warming is going to do to the Earth. How do we know it's going to do? Exactly. I guess it's fiction, so maybe... We give cut them a break for that. These poor people in Alabama didn't get a five-minute notice no. on a bad, bad tornado, and these fools want to pretend that they know what the temperature is going to be a hundred years from now. Right? They just they don't know. Do we buy that they? more people are are catching up to the BS, or do we buy that more people are falling in line and getting brainwashed? If more people are catching up to the BS, why has there been the election of more and more people? Uh, like occasional cortex and more and more people like Jay Inslee of Washington throwing his hat in the ring, making his number one campaign priority climate change. Is this the guy who is running mate? Flies in from Morocco daily. Yes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I saw that. I don't think what? he. I don't think he flies in daily. Well, but that's that's. But his a- method Inslee of has some consultant that apparently is based in Morocco, <laughs> and he ain't rowing a boat here. Right. 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 You don't get to lecture me. None of you, none of us, none of us can lecture any of us. Is the ray of hope potentially, this is really Only a big Only Pedro Luca, yep. who has had a standing invitation to sit in this delightful new podcast studio, <laughs> he can lecture us, and I will say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir. I think he's too busy. Well, plus, how would we get him here? I don't know. See, we could fly him here because we don't think that's a sin. Right. And he might enjoy the, uh, you know, he might enjoy the new digs just for a little bit, a little I, change. I don't know what he would sound like, do you? He's in, he's <laughs> I don't in, know, because he's I think not he's really... in Argentina, in a cave. But does he speak his own language? Because he didn't, doesn't really interact with people. He doesn't have a lot, he doesn't have a, you know, you don't see him at the bingo parlor. I mean, he's... The meat raffle. He might go to a meat raffle. <laughs> right. But he hunts his own meat and drinks from the stream and doesn't have any electricity and doesn't own a car. And uh, doesn't have air conditioning. He has nothing. He can lecture anybody. This is a stretch, but do you think we could get to the point where the Omars, the uh, Cortezes, could be so inefficient and so far-fetched 
that this not the far left, but the the middle of the road Democrats will scratch their heads and go, "You have been so in, inefficient that we don't we don't want the likes of you anymore. You you've ruined what our message is to be." Well, do we even know what that message is? I think the Democrats have a real message problem. The only message the Democrats have on a daily basis is, we hate the President of the United States. I was just going to say... The, that's their only message. The, They've offered nothing not for a, the goodness of this message. country. But as long as he sits in office, we're going to keep seeing more of these people elected, unfortunately. Because mm-hmm. you're getting more and more of an electorate coming out of the failed academy, where this is what this is drummed into them at the failed academy from... Well, you saw it with kids... In, in elementary school, going to Feinstein's office and berating her. We're so frightened. Should for we play our that lives. clip again? No, no, no. I can't stand. No. I can't stand that clip. I can't stand that. <clears throat> Say, uh, our good friends at Moeller have been taking care of adults like us for sixty-seven years. You realize your daughter's. I I know this for a fact. Well, that means I got to do something about it. Yep. Your daughter's engagement ring is bigger than your wife's. That means you should maybe uh, upgrade your wife's diamond so the next time you show up somewhere, she can have bragging rights. That's why I say molars have been helping guys like us solve these problems for 67 years. They take her original diamond in on trade and provide you with a diamond that will blow her away every time she looks at it. Do it. I, do I know. It. I know people who said, "I realize if this, if I would have known how much this would have made her happy, I would have done this a long time mm-hmm. ago." I'm not one of those people, do it but for I Mother's should Day. be. I should minute. be one of those people, right? For Mother's Day, our staff of registered jewelers, certified gemologists, and certified gemologist appraisers are qualified to show you the difference between molar diamonds and the rest of them, because molar diamonds are better. It's a price. If price you're worried about, I also know this because I've known the guy for 30 years. Molar has never lost a sale because of price. And if you don't believe me, go online and look at their reviews. RF Moeller Jeweler, 50th in France in Edina, Ford in Cleveland in St. Paul, Gavaday Common in downtown Minneapolis, or a great, great website at RF Moeller, M-O-E-L-L-E-R, rfmoeller.com. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. John's Newscast brought to us in part by R.F. Moeller Jeweler with those three great stores, Highland Park in St. Paul, 50th in France in Edina, and Gavaday Common in downtown Minneapolis. Great people. I wouldn't go anywhere else. Here's John Height. Thanks, Joe. This is my is favorite one. Is that one of Dylan's? Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. This one's my favorite one. Better yeah. ride a little bit. I want to pick up the tempo on some of these. Can you give them that one? Oh, this is perfect. Don't you think? It's very nice. Legislative leaders is a cold dog blue. I got a lot of nerve, don't I, have bugging yeah. a guy for more free music. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, that's all right. I told him when, when we're big, we'll, we'll throw him some, we'll, uh, we'll remember some scratches. Keep right. that carrot dangling. You bet. Good man. <laughs> Legislative leaders and Governor Tim Walls have agreed on plans to provide about $13 million in immediate funding so repairs can continue on Minnesota's troubled vehicle registration system known as Midlars. And they're working, uh, we don't know that. <laughs> they're working to find $10 million to compensate registrars for losses they incurred trying to make it work. 
Republican Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka told reporters Monday the bills could be on the governor's desk and ready for him to sign Tuesday afternoon. The House then voted 52 to 12 to pass the bill Monday night. Senate Transportation Chairman Scott Newman says the governor and House Democratic leaders also agreed on hiring independent experts who will report back by May 1st on whether to spend money out of the next two-year budget to continue trying to fix the software or trying another approach to the state so far has spent more than $100 million on Minlars. It's an outrage, and again, I've said this many times, uh, in an era of of healthy newsroom staffs, uh, this would be worthy of putting six or seven people on Uh and getting to the bottom of where that money went. Because I think it's... Corruption would not surprise me here. That money's been stolen. In some capacity. It's been stolen. It should have been an 40, whatever, 25 million. Okay, that's fine. That's even too much. But Well, is there any limit uh, to what incompetence will cost us? Yeah. (laughs) 100 mil incompetence has cost us. uh, The fellow we were talking about before who did that music, uh, last year applied for his license on July 23rd. July 23rd, 2018. Still does not have his physical <laughs> license. The <laughs> license he carries in his wallet. That's correct. He, the yellow slip you get, yep. he's had to get go and get that stamped and renewed three times already. And there has been uh, three visits there where he was told different stories every time on what's going on. Would it help so, if he went to a different registrar's office? I don't know. I, 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 think, that, I think that's the central he, whopper computer is what he it is. He actually sat there while the uh, woman behind the desk talked to somebody on the phone about what was going on. And so he thought that had cleared it up about two weeks ago. Well, how does and, this state plan to uh, uh, distribute real IDs? Well, I have no idea. I have a question. Do you guys know Tim Walls personally? I do not. I've met him several times, but I, I don't know him. And I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy, and I don't care personally. In person, every, he is a very personable guy. But every time he speaks publicly about anything related to finance, I'm more annoyed than the last time he talked about public finance. <laughs> well, he, he just, just a, can't wait. He's just a spend guy. But he's worse than the previous governor in that regard. Yeah, he's a spend guy. I told you, you're going to miss the predecessor with each new election. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He's He's spending money the state doesn't have. Uh, meanwhile, a Minnesota lawmaker uh, told the TV affiliate in this building, Five Eyewitness News, that there are a few horror stories out there as he tries to make it illegal for employers to ask employees for passwords to personal social media sites. Representative John Lesh of St. Paul introduced a bill before a House committee Monday which makes it illegal for employers to ask employees for those personal uh, personal social media passwords. I would think so. Representative Brian Johnson of Castle Rock asked if there would be an exemption in the bill for specific jobs related to national or state security jobs. Representative Lesh told the committee he would include an amendment which retains the rights of employers to seek personal media account passwords to run required security clearance checks on job applicants and employees. My employer, my employer can ask me for all my passwords because I don't have any social media passwords. I was going to say you probably don't remember any. No, I don't okay, have but, one. But now, I don't, I don't now like the world of social media. But now you're playing the the airport the security game. No, I don't no. have anything to hide. No, no, no. I I agree with Lesh. Why in the hell should your employer have a right to demand of you? I want your personal. I agree. Okay, well, I'm, that's not the oh. same as I have nothing to hide. What are you saying? I'm saying I have no social media passwords because I'm not in the social media world. Yet. No, I, I'm not. <laughs> Senator Mitch McConnell, the majority leader, conceding he could not stave off final passage of a resolution Overturning President Trump's national emergency declaration, setting up a rebuke to the president amid signs that the president's grip on his own party in Congress could be slipping. 
with Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky joining three other Republicans, Susan Collins of Maine, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, and Tom Tillis of North Carolina in announcing he would support the measure. Democrats now have the 51 votes they need to secure passage and to force President Trump to issue the first veto of his presidency. While a veto is highly unlikely to be overturned, the congressional majority that forces it will stand as a rejection of the tactics the president used to fulfill the top campaign promise to build a wall on the southern border. And this will apparently be the first time since the passage of the National Emergencies Act of 1976 that Congress has voted to overturn an emergency declaration. Ty Cobb, the veteran Washington attorney who represented the White House as special counsel Robert Mueller ramped up his investigation into Russian meddling, said he considers Mueller, the man leading the probe, an American hero, and he does not share President Trump's view that the Russian inquiry is a politically motivated hoax. Cobb said, I don't feel the same way about Mueller, but as Mueller prepares to convey his findings to the U.S. Attorney General, Cobb maintains a belief that the report will spare the president. From Ty any- Cobb. Get Ty Cobb up there. I got two questions about his name. From any serious political harm. Cobb said he believes Mueller has already revealed the bulk of his findings that the investigation will produce through the sentencing memos and speaking indictments issued against a group of 34 defendants that include Russian hackers and the former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort. A speaking indictment sets forth more contextual details on a case than is required by law. I have two questions, John. Yeah. Why do you think his parents named him Ty Cobb, and maybe he's a uh, maybe he's a, a relative of the Ty Cobb? The story I read this morning said he's a very distant relative. Okay, then you can Ty stop Cobb. looking, Rook, unless it'll tell us right here. You have uh, Ty Cobb, the attorney's uh, uh, Wikipedia page right, up. Right there. Yeah. It was right there. Right there. Yeah. Distant relative. Okay, that's all I needed to know. That's why he's named. I think it's a neat name. Oh, I do, too. His dad owned a Kansas radio station. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, by the way, there's a wonderful book. Uh, you know, there's all these stories about the baseball player, Ty Cobb, being yeah. this horrible man. Yeah, but he's not. He wasn't. He no. was not a horrible uh, man. Apparently, there was one writer who disliked him immensely right. and started creating all these stories, right. uh, accusing him of being a racist, making up incidents that were allegedly racist. Well, there's a book out now refuting pretty much right. all of that. Right. That's fascinating and how you... You could just take a guy's reputation and basically ruin it for a hundred years. Well, I watched what was the film with Tommy Lee Jones? Cobb, who it was just named just Cobb. named Cobb. Yep. he didn't handle the booze particularly well, though. Yeah, right? Well, but that also well, we don't is, know. That's, See, that's oh. all been placed in doubt now. Yeah, this uh, guy did a lot of research. The guy that wrote the book, I forget his name, but, and it's uh, unlikely he walked around with his Coca Cola stock in a grocery bag. Yeah, that's unlikely, and it's unlikely he carried a gun around with him to shoot people in alleys. Mm-hmm. Cobb attributed his ferocious play to his late father, saying, "I did it for my father. He never got to see me play, but I knew he was watching me, and I never let him down." Uh, this fellow who originally tried to come up with the bad stuff about Ty Cobb wrote several stories about him being a racist, and apparently Ty Cobb was a champion of trying to get uh, mm-hmm. black players into baseball before they were allowed uh, to. Rook, so. uh, look up a new book about Ty Cobb so we can give uh, G. Ellers the uh, the author that John's referring to. Yeah, I read it last year, and uh, it, was, it was fascinating. I remember reading about it, but I didn't yeah. read the book. There you go, Rook. Type it in. You can... Something's happening that's not allowing well, you to Well, he's only just... got nine fingers. Right. <laughs> I'm working with... Uh... Uh, all right. Now hit enter. Ty Cobb, A Terrible Beauty. That's it. Yep. By Rook. Uh, Charles Learshin. L-E-E-R-S. Pardon me. L-E-E-R-H-S-E-N. All right. Learshin. 
a terrible beauty. Yeah. Ty Cobb. All right. Juan Corona, convicted in the slayings of 25 itinerant farm laborers in one of America's worst serial murder cases, has died. California state prison officials said Corona, who was 85, had been held at California State Prison in Corcoran, where he was serving multiple life sentences following his conviction nearly five decades ago for hacking to death farm workers. He died of natural causes. The Mexican-born farming contractor had been arrested in 1971 after a farmer in Sutter County found a freshly dug hole in a peach orchard. The farmer, who had contracted with Corona to hire field workers, returned the next day, saw the hole filled with dirt. To allay his suspicions, he called the sheriff's office. In a shallow grave, deputies found a man's body May 19, 1971. His head had been hacked off and his body was riddled with stab wounds. The man would later be identified as Kenneth Whiteacre, a 40-year-old homeless man. Four days later, at the nearby Sullivan Ranch, where Corona housed laborers, investigators unearthed more butchered bodies. He was arrested a week later at his home south of Yuba City. Over the next two weeks, police recovered the bodies of more slain farm workers from shallow graves. The vast majority of the 25 victims were viciously slashed and hacked with a machete. Many bore deep puncture wounds to the chest, and one victim was shot. The motive around the killings has remained a mystery. But since the 1950s, Corona had struggled with mental illness, twice being admitted to a state mental hospital in Auburn, California, when he was, uh, where he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. That's a dreadful story. It is. Yeah. Remember, I didn't remember Juan Corona. Did you? I, do, I didn't. When no. you first said the story, I thought you said Juan Corona, and I thought it was going to be a, about beer. A beer story. Yeah. With a nice lime in there. Yeah. yeah. A little Fat Tuesday uh, dreaming, huh? <laughs> it's Fat Tuesday today, isn't yep. it? Yeah. 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 Uh, as you talked about earlier, Joe, Hillary Clinton says she will not run for the presidency in 2020, but vows she's, quote, not going anywhere. That's good, Hillary. Thank you for the update. Oh, if she's not going where, where is she now? Former Secretary of State, Senator, and First Lady <laughs> ruled out another campaign during an interview posted Monday by New York TV station News 12. Clinton lost the 2016 presidential election to Donald Trump. She said, I'm going to keep on working and speaking and standing up for what I believe, adding, what's at stake in our country? The kind of things that are happening right now are deeply troubling to me. She says she's Us too. She says she's spoken with several of the candidates seeking the Democratic presidential nomination and has told them, don't take anything for granted, even though we have a long list of real problems and broken promises from the Trump administration. Yeah, well, you're going to have to run everything by occasional cortex because you you uh, Democrats there, that's your new leader. Mm-hmm. That's your new leader. Also, don't, don't worry about the mills she funneled off to some uh, private companies, <laughs> however allegedly. To see she deserves at least that much for being your new leader. In all seriousness, no, and not that she's got to be worried about where her next meals coming from why would she want to run isn't she going to be able to make a ton? because she's a, an ego-driven maniac yeah. who can't stand the she got a little taste that she lost to the to the who she lost to got it uh, and she felt that she deserved to be the first female president to the point where she never made a concession speech just mm-hmm. in the in the slight chance that she would lose <laughs> they didn't write a concession speech she's been on the given excuses tour for two years uh-huh um, Billy. There was a great uh, Instagram or Facebook shot of Bill uh, behind Hillary, a- obviously saying something to her, mm. and the caption was, <laughs> Happy President's Day, Hillary. Mm-hmm. And she says, mm-hmm. she said, uh, no thanks. Why don't we come back with Dylan Donnelly? Truth. 
Justice and the Souteray. Is Dylan with us? Well, here you go. Dylan Donnelly, how are you? I'm well, thanks for having me. Uh, Dylan, uh, you, are, uh, you were on the uh, Citizens League Minimum Wage Study Committee in St. Paul, and you serve on the St. Paul Business Review Council, but you actually work for a living. You work in manufacturing? Correct. Help us understand what you mean when you say the city is uh, woefully unprepared for a mandated minimum wage increase. Uh, basically, you have tens of thousands of business that operate annually in the city of St. Paul. Mm-hmm. And this new ordinance is basically a mandate that the minimum wage over time will be increasing to $15 an hour. Right. You have to alert all the businesses and employees that this change in rules is coming. That's a very difficult task to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the city has made no effort to do that? The city has made insufficient effort to date to do that. As a member of the board uh, advocating for the increase in uh, hourly salary, were you on board with that increase? No, I didn't. No, not at all. I, the, the Citizens League was basically a study committee which said, okay, if you're going to do a $15 minimum wage increase, what sorts of considerations do we have to make? Um, the, the group had a lot of people who did not support the idea that a municipality should set wage limits. Nor do the, I. <laughs> no, and uh, candidly, I agree. But the group said, if you're going to do it, let's take a look at the other cities that have done this and uh, see what we can come up with to try and make it work to the best of our abilities. Well, short of the city getting uh, very active in this, what, what's going to ha- happen to the Mon Pa grocery store, for example? It, uh, it really depends. Uh, it's very specific to each business, um, who you employ, how many employees you have, um, how many different locations you have. So it's hard to say in a blanket statement the impact will be X and Y to uh, a local grocery store. Um, my main consideration, though, is, is, uh, is probably for critical groups of people, um, youth poverty programs, uh, programs that facilitate employment opportunities for individuals with disabilities, um, where you see sort of a wage and an also component of a community outreach. I think those are the groups that are far more um, constrained by this ordinance. What is your contention, that the city should budget more for education on what's going to take place? Well, my my contention is is simple. Again, if you're going to do this, you have to create a level playing field. Mm -hmm. and. And we're flush with examples um, from cities across the country or even next door where you've implemented ordinances and they just hit the floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we can look at earn sick and safe time or the garbage or any of that, and you can see there's just poor uh, outreach to the community. Um, so the point we made was that if you're going to do this type of uh, ordinance, you need to get a critical mass of people to participate. Otherwise, you just have an unequal playing field, which isn't a, a good outcome for anybody involved. So our, my point was that, one, you, you need to fully fund the outreach to reach all these businesses to let them know this is coming. What we, what we learned from other cities is that when they didn't let people know this was coming, then a year later they'd go to the businesses and say, well, you're supposed to be at X, and the businesses would have to scramble to try and make it work. So, you know, that outreach will at least give businesses time to plan or 
adjust or leave the city or what have you to try and prepare for the increase in the in the minimum wage. When is it supposed to kick in? That was a big point I made was initially they wanted to do July of 2019, basically. And I said, there's no way anyone will be even remotely ready for this. So they did push it back to July of 2020. Um, but having said that, you know, a lot of organizations are planning for next year's budget now, or there, there are a lot of things they have to figure out about this ordinance that they need to understand now. And the outreach hasn't even begun to start from the city of St. Paul to the business or nonprofit community. This this strikes me as it really shows the danger of what happens when these dilettantes uh, rule from the salon and just suddenly decide that everybody should make 15 bucks an hour. It's harder said than done, in other words. Right. I, I You know, candidly, um, my first job out of college, I worked a second shift in a factory. And, and I know, like, there are a lot of people out there working really hard for not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, but it doesn't mean that a, a municipality setting wage limits is the right strategy to help people earn a little bit more money. Well, and, are you a free market guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. I'm also uh, helping people develop new, new job skills and um, explaining the opportunities for different career paths and teaching young people about careers in manufacturing or helping people land a good job driving a bus. You know what I mean? Like, those, that's yeah. what we need to do to help people out, not not a downward pressure on our business community. Well, so what you're what if I'm beginning to understand this more clearly, what you're what you're worried about is that the owner of a Hmong beauty parlor, for example, might be totally unaware that this ordinance is coming down the road. This is a perfect example, 100% correct. Mm-hmm. We yeah, we have so many small businesses. The vast majority of the number of firms in St. Paul are small businesses. Right. So, that is exactly the type of business that will have no idea this is coming down the pipeline. And what, And as long as it is coming down the pipeline, because now that it's been signed into law by the mayor, uh, the city's going to have to spend a few bucks telling these people it's coming down the pipeline. Is that, am correct. I interpreting your to, Sunday piece right? It's 100% correct. They have to do their part in this if they're going to proceed with it. And, yeah, I mean, and Joe, candidly, the $15 discussion was over before we elected our new mayor. Mm-hmm. Every every mayoral candidate wanted this, was going to support this. I mean, we didn't even have a choice to vote for someone who didn't like this idea. Yeah, I got a little tired of pointing out that uh, you're not going to raise a family, own a home, and educate kids on 15 bucks an hour. These jobs were never intended for those purposes. Yeah, I... I tend to agree. Um, wages are awfully complex, and it's a very difficult issue to navigate, and every individual is different, and, and every employer is different, too. It's, if, uh, it's an awfully complex situation. Have you had any feedback on your piece that appeared in the Pioneer Press? Yes. The two council members reached out to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, isn't not, this isn't anything new, candidly, because um, one of the outputs of the, of the Citizens League was a 400-page report. And universally, everyone on the committee would agree that uh, this is a difficult ordinance to enact. And that language was littered throughout that document of 400 pages. Um, I, it's the matter with of, of the mayor's staff and, and council members and, and to let them know that you're you making the same mistake that the other cities have made. And as an example of where they might find the money, you pointed out some of the things that the city budget provides, for example, $216,000 on animal supplies. Correct. What the hell is that? Who are we feeding? What animals are we feeding? 
<laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, Maybe the geese. My, my, Mayor Carter and, uh, you know, uh, I guess I, I'm trying to root for him, but he said all, all along the way that our budget should reflect our values. That was his wording exactly. And uh, I just see a disconnect between where they've allocated funding and our values. I think that statement is inaccurate. It's a $750 million city budget that includes $3 million for traffic signal enhancement downtown. What the hell does that mean? Uh, You you tell me. I don't don't know. know. It's just incredible. There's nobody downtown anyway except the small businesses that are going to get hit upside the head when this hits. Well, in the 4th of July fireworks, at most was $100,000. But the notion that we have a bunch of... uh, accountants pouring through each line-by-line item and figuring out where to spend money, and then we spend things on as ridiculous as traffic signal enhancements, there's plenty of money for a 4th of July fireworks display. Especially when an outside source has volunteered to pick up the tab on that. 100%, Rick, yep. We're going to spend nine hundred and thirty-four grand on ballpark expenses. I take it that means that CHS field. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it means playground fields. I don't know. My understanding is lower town ballpark. Nine hundred a million bucks already, huh? That thing yeah. is brand just opened. What's wrong with it? We certainly do spend a lot of money on fun. Mm-hmm. Well, Dylan, thanks for fighting the fight. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm not here to advocate for a, a fifteen dollar minimum wage or, or, or anything like that. What I'm here to say is they asked a, a bunch of ordinary citizens to say if you're gonna do this, what considerations do you have? And we said the city needs to have a part in letting a bunch of small business owners know that this is coming, and they're just not holding up their end of the bargain. Reavers has a question for you. Dylan, really quick, I know that um, you know we, we've discussed in this show that a lot of the, the really good uh, projects that they've worked on along West 7th, all the new vibrant you know restaurants, and they've kind of made it a really cool scene now. This is going to essentially, if this if this does get enacted July of 2020. It's already an ordinance. But what I'm saying is this is essentially going to kill all of those bars and restaurants, isn't it? I would say that, uh, you know, that's a really good question. I would say that um, the ordinance disproportionately impacts uh, restaurants with uh, employees with tip-based income. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you're a high-end server or bartender, there are a lot of people that, that felt that this uh, would lower their overall earnings in, a, in an annual basis. Um, so that, that, there is an element of the, of the ordinance where a, a segment of that industry is going to struggle. I think regardless, there's going to be an increase in cost for those businesses. Um, so that's a fair point. Well, to summarize... You weren't necessarily in favor of raising the minimum wage to fifteen bucks, but you're saying as long as you're doing this, you you leaders, you better t- set aside some of your budgetary funds to educate the businesses that will be impacted by this. A hundred percent accurate. All I right. do not advocate for a municipality setting wage limits. All right. Thank you, sir. Keep pushing Woo. back. Good luck. Thank you so much. All right. Keep writing and keep pushing back. Dylan Thanks, Donnelly, thank you very much. All right, that's uh, it's good to hear from people who are pushing back. Yes, in the middle of St. Paul. What he's saying is, look, I was on the committee, and I, I didn't approve of this. Right. But I'm saying, if if you people in the salon are going to do this, you better let Zing Hao figure out what this hell this means to her down the line. At her nail place, right. at the hair place, right. at the uh, uh, bistro, Nong Bistro. How about the quote from your mayor? 
Melvin Carter. Mm-hmm. Our budget should reflect our values. Yeah. Boy, am I glad I live nowhere near St. Paul. I got to be honest. Oh, a, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a contumely there. A bit of no, a contumely. Melvin, you have a responsibility. Not not oh, that is really troubling. It's one party rule and it's it's going to be wreaking more and more havoc. It's just one party rule. And we've had this discussion on the show. There's no he, they're bragging now about the most diverse staff in the history of the city. Melvin has an inner circle of 16 people. And yes, they might have different genders, different skin colors, different ethnicities, okay. but there is no diversity in their thought whatsoever. Nope. No diversity in thought because apparently that doesn't count as diversity. Diversity must apparently be a visual thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can only be it's not what's in here, it's just what's what's on the outside. That's right. This is Patrick Ricey for the Canopy Group. We are coming up on St. Patrick's Day. You know, the luck of the Irish. Well, do you have only one agent representing one company for your home and auto insurance? Then you're trying to get lucky. At the Canopy Group, we wish you only the best of luck. But we also believe you deserve more than luck when it comes to your home and auto insurance. You need to rely on a process. Canopy Group has 20 agents and 16 companies. Their process carefully selects from their 16 companies the best coverage at the best price for your personal insurance needs. No luck, just a disciplined and dedicated process to serving you each and every year. Remember, new clients enjoy an average savings of over $600. Contact the Canopy Group today at 800 967 3389 or visit them online at thecanopygroup.com. I still got some of my mainstays over here. University of Garage Logic 98, College of Self Esteem, Zip, Nada, Nothing. Here's Joe Souchere. Before we begin, I want to tell you about a store that I think is really cool. I think it's right up Garage Logic's alley. It's called the Minnesotan. It's in downtown White Bear. Right now, they're celebrating. 75 years of legendary Minnesota State High School hockey tournament, and they have the regalia. They have the hats, the jerseys, the T-shirts, the pullovers. They have a line of heritage clothing. You can go in there and find your high school hat, your high school jersey, your college jersey. They have their own really neat logo. I'm talking about the Minnesotan. It's in right downtown Minnesota, across the street from what I used to know as the Avalon Movie Theater. It's on 4th Street. Uh, You can play the Minnesota State High School League Hockey Tournament Online Bracket Challenge for a chance to win a $250 gift card to the Minnesotan. That's free. Uh, You can join the Minnesotan Express Shuttle Bus from downtown White Bear Lake to XL Energy Center for the first session of the AA Tournament on Thursday. Leaves the store at 930. Uh, Go to com. You can find out more about that. How cool would it be, Joe, to go to the Minnesotan to buy the old Thunderbird Motel shirt or the that. old Met Center shirt and then go to the state hockey tournament? You would look cool. They have St. Patrick's Day stuff coming up, too. Uh, you can go to the Minnesotan.com for exclusive tourney products. Uh, get that bracket challenge information. You can reserve seats on the Minnesotan Express. 
Uh, but get to that store in person. You, you know, if you're a GL or you tell them you're a GL, you're going to save 20% at checkout. And when you go online, you can save 20% on all in-line orders. I'm sorry, online orders by entering GL in the discount code box at checkout. A really, really fun store. You're going to enjoy it. I was there a couple of times before Christmas. I intend to go back. They have the really, really neat vintage I stuff. Love it. I really love it. neat vintage stuff. The Minnesotan dot com. Say, I, I said I try to keep the the climate stuff uh, fresher. Yeah, current, uh, up to date. Well, I got a pile here. There's I, always news coming. I, I got I got a pile of stuff here. Uh, Walls, Governor Walls. <clears throat> He sets the year 2050 to be completely carbon-free in Minnesota. Here we go. In all energy produced. <laughs> the race is on. <laughs> okay. And, and, and that can't be done. It's too impractical. But it and sounds great in a quote, doesn't it, it Joe? It really does. And when he gets together with the people who support him at some really nice house, they all arrive in their SUVs and they nod their heads and have uh, finger sandwiches and sips of champagne and say, yes, we must do something about this. <laughs> but here's the problem. Uh all, all that will mean is Minnesotans will pay more for electricity, right? Yes. And a lot of times, wind doesn't work in cold weather. And I've told you, if you want to worry about something you can't do anything about, worry about global cooling, not global warming, because mm-hmm. that's the way nature is trending. Wind so, is not efficient. So wind doesn't work when it gets to be 15, 20 below. We've seen that. Uh, they don't like coal. Uh, they don't like nuclear. So uh, if they think they're going to do this with solar and wind, you're you're talking through your hat. It's going to cost you a fortune. But here's the other thing okay. I got thinking about today. What the hell does that do for the world? It does nothing. You think India is going to do this? No. Do you think China is going to do this? <laughs> Absolutely not. Do you think Indonesia is going to do nope. this? Do you think Africa is going to do this? Russia's not even going to do it. Russia's going to do this? Nope. No. They, in Russia, they have yellow snow. Right. They have black snow, which is probably... Cultural appropriation. Right. <laughs> right. How dare you have blackface? No. Right. Right. But you know, Tim Walls. Uh, what's his name? Well, if yeah, it's if Tim I, Walls. If I can interject, even right there, when you talk about solar, do you think they're going to allow solar panels to go in wetlands and and disturb the no. nature by putting up a solar panel? No. Renewable resources are not available all the time. You know, the sun doesn't shine and the wind doesn't blow twenty four seven. Said Joni Livingston of Mississippi. I'm sorry, of Missouri River Energy Services. We can go on and on in that regard. But when you see this and you. Think think it's a great idea and you you sense that your own uh, 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 note of virtue is rising to the surface, why don't you just take a step back and say, wait a minute, uh, why should Minnesotans pay all this additional money mm-hmm. by the year 2050 when it won't mean a damn thing right. to the world? It won't mean a damn thing. I'm not saying we should pollute. I'm not saying we should have dirty air and water. But the United States is already so far ahead of the curve compared to the rest of the world that uh, Walls is uh, whistling up the creek here to think we have to be completely carbon-free. <laughs> not possible. By the year 2050, it's not possible. Dems to take offensive on the climate change. Uh, the the uh, Dems led by uh, the likes of uh, Alexandria, Occasional Cortex, and Ilhan Omer, that's your party, Cortex and Omar, that's your new party. 2020. 2020. (laughs) Dems, I thought you were reading from my letter earlier in the show. Dems, the one I like. But listen to this language. Uh, 
In other words, uh, the Dems are uh, unleashing an effort to make climate change a central issue of their 2020 campaigns. Mm -hmm. We must do something about this. Okay, here's the language. Senate Minority Minority Leader Chuck Schumer outlined the new strategy in an interview, casting it as a way to mobilize millennial voters, a key part of the Democratic constituency that the party will need to turn out to win in swing states. In other words, doesn't that sound like all Schumer is looking at it is is a political dynamic. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do nope. with the environment. Yeah, this is something we can use so that we can retain Further. power. Right. It has nothing to do with what the temperature is. Because Schumer doesn't know any more than I do what the temperature is supposed to be today. It's a political hot button. It's a, it's a political game that they're playing, and Schumer might as well be admitting it. This is a strategy we can use. This is a way we can mobilize millennial voters. It means nothing about the environment. Nothing. But it's a good way to capture the people pouring out of the failed academy right. who've been brainwashed about this BS not just the failed academy at the higher levels of learning, but these uh, grade school kids who go to Feinstein's office you and say, play the clip? no, no, you cannot <laughs> play the clip. I can't <laughs> stand <growing> it. <laughs> With progressives pushing Democrats to embrace the Green New Deal and Republicans ridiculing the idea as socialism, that's because that's what they're after, Schumer is effectively trying to turn a weakness into a strength. He is planning daily floor speeches attacking Republicans for inaction and a proposal for a special Senate committee focused on the issue, which he intends to announce this week. It means nothing. That means nothing. They're fools. It's a political game. People don't like to be fooled. Right. They get in the... They get... Do you ever hear anybody say our platform should be the debt? Our platform should be... uh, that's so, that's so uh, passe, Joe. Uh, you would uh, never taxes. get elected. Yeah, But here's Schumer saying, you know, we're, we're going to play with that one. We're going to play with that one and maybe we can gain some traction. has nothing to do with the environment. Rainbows and unicorns. Delivery driver Lee, is that who that is, Chris? Yes, yes. very loyal, very mm-hmm. loyal listener. Well, when we have great listeners who find great things. A senior U.N. and... Environmental official says the entire and says entire nations could be wiped off the face of the earth by rising sea levels if the global warming trend is not reversed by the year twenty fifty. Chris, I know the answer. Yeah, I already read it. So, (laughs) nope, Rook, you're way off. A senior UN environmental official. This is dated United Nations Associated Press. A senior U.N. environmental official says entire nations could be wiped off the face of the earth by rising sea levels if the global warming trend is not reversed by the year 2000. This was printed June 29, 1989. Oh. Have we lost even one? Coast, no. Oh, Coastal. Wait, no, uh, the island flipped over. No, what that, was the island? no, that was the fear that the island would tip over. Too many, right. too many Navy men. If everybody ran to the left side, yeah. right. Was it Guam? Yep. It was yeah. Guam. <laughs> Coastal flooding and crop failures would create an exodus of eco, eco refu- refugees, threatening political chaos, said Noel Brown, director of the New York Office of the UN Environment Program, or UNEP. 
He said governments have a 10-year window of opportunity to solve the greenhouse effect before it goes beyond human control. This is, uh, this is a story in June 29, 1989. Well, that, that's 19 years ago. Uh, I mean, 2000 is 19 years ago, and we uh, we just learned from the kids who went to Feinstein's office. We only got 12. We have 12 more years. Yep. So we have 12. <laughs> we have 12. As the warming melts, polar ice caps, ocean levels will rise up to three feet, enough to cover the Maldives and other flat island nations, Brown told the AP in an interview on Wednesday, meaning Wednesday of 1989. One-sixth of Bangladesh will be gone. A fifth of Egypt's arable land in the Nile Delta would be flooded. Uh, ecological refugees will become a major concern, and what's worse is you may find that people can move to drier ground, but the soils and their natural resources may not support life. Africa doesn't have to worry about land, but why would you want to live in the Sahara, he said. <laughs> Shifting climate patterns would bring back 1930s Dust Bowl conditions to Canadian U.S. wheatlands. Hasn't happened. While the Soviet Union could reap bumper crops if it adapts its agriculture in time, according to a study by UNEP. Hasn't happened. They're not doing that. (sighs) uh, Read me the name of the, uh, was it a congresswoman person? The name of the person that, that quoted that. I want to see what they're up to now. That person was. They probably fell off the face of the earth. With the, <laughs> uh, drowned. Yeah. Uh, Very beginning. Yes. The uh, uh, Noel, N-O-E-L. Noel N-O-E-L. Brown. Brown. Director of the New York office of the U.N. Environment Program. Uh, and this was a story that appeared in newspapers on June 29th, 1989. How long ago is 1989? 89? 30 years. 30 years ago. 30 years ago, uh, we were being told we have until the year 2000. (laughs) That's why we partied like it's 1999. That's right. 89. What'd you find out? Uh, Dr. Noel Brown is now part of the blue community. What's that mean? I don't know. We're going to find out. Uh, The former director of the United Nations Environment Program. North American Regional Office. Dr. Brown holds a BA in political science he and holds economics. A BS in political science. <laughs> <laughs> uh, over the past two decades. So, oh my God, he's just recycling the same garbage. Yeah, it's it's exactly. pathetic. And now he's turning like, it the into, price is right. He's just adjusting the yeah, window like the. Uh, but it's it's now it's look at this, folks. It's speaking engagements. It's 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 going to businesses and, and fundraising. Yep. That's all this is. Yep. As of last year, actually, you still worked for the UN too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> still on the payroll. <laughs> yep. Nice, nice little thirty-year run. Well, you know what? Then we're not here. This is a parallel universe. We can't be here today broadcasting. Wait a minute. Are we in the? Is we were the done future? in two thousand. We were done in two thousand. Right. Yeah, that's right. When we moved from Maplewood, I wonder if Maplewood's still out there. Well, we moved in nineteen ninety-nine. I haven't been back to check. I haven't. Either. Maybe that's inundated. The swamp has been overtaken. Do you think the swamp uh, level rose to swallow the building out there? There was enough golf balls that there's probably a nice path. A couple books, too. We <laughs> we would occasionally throw books into the swamp. But Okay, but this guy gets to say this, alarm people, and he's never his feet are never held to the fire. He's never been checked on it, called on it. I thought you said 2,000, uh, one half of Indonesia is going to be gone. It's gone. 
It's still there. The biggest problem in Bangladesh recently was a terrible fire uh, in what could only be generously called a slum. Mm -hmm. In uh, what's the capital of uh, Bangladesh? Look it up. Help me. Well, yes. what if you were to go ask, um, I don't know, let's say a couple of residents in Venezuela, do you think their biggest concern right now is uh, man-made climate change? Nope. You think it's the melting polar vortex ice caps? Nope. What do you think that would be? Food. Got it. Got it. That Ilhan Omar supported being deprived mm-hmm. of arriving to feed the children. Mm-hmm. What's the capital of? It's Dhaka. That's right. Dhaka. The, uh, Dhaka, uh, Bangladesh, had a terrible, terrible fire. Many people lost lives. So the people of Bangladesh right now, if you went to them and said, uh, are you worried about uh, sea level rise? They'd say, no, we just lost our family in a terrible fire here because uh, we're poverty stricken. Uh, These fools have been getting away with this for 30 years. And this fool said in 1989, we have until the year 2000. Now the new kids, the kids now are being taught, sell them on another 12 so another twelve. So the key is a decade and some change. Yeah. He was eleven years. These kids now are twelve years. <laughs> so no, he was. Uh, yeah, he was eleven years. These kids now in Feinstein's office, they're at twelve years, and twelve years from now, it's going to be we only have eight years. And and Got it. I wish Got I, it. again, I wish I could live long enough to prove that this is utter oh, BS. But you already have. I guess I have. I guess I have. You you're have. Right. I have. <laughs> this article, it's this isn't some guy's blog. This was the Associated AP. Press. Uh, based out of the UN, their UN bureau, in June 29th, 1989, wrote a piece quoting this uh, buffoon, Noel Brown, uh, director of the New York office of the UN Environment Program, that the governments have a 10-year window of opportunity to solve the problem before it goes beyond human control. Well, it's come and gone. There's no problem. And there isn't going to be one. What does that mean beyond human control? It means we're all going to just die, and, and, and it's it's out of our control because nature's going to take over no matter what. No, we're gonna we're gonna be so evil with our polluting, gas guzzling, spewing vehicles <laughs> that we will uh, we'll go outside and just keel over in the lawn because we can't uh, breathe the air. We'll go It'll to environmental hell. We'll melt. Black and, and snow. Right. New York and L.A. will disappear, <laughs> and it'll be just uh, be just chaos. Oh. B as in B, S as in S. This is the last frontier of Marxism. Wow. The last frontier of Marxism. By the way, did you see where the UM added a Marxism course this spring? Oh, that's oh, fun. Yeah, to discuss it. I wish yeah, my kids were going yeah, to there. To discuss the relevancy of Marxism. There isn't any relevancy. Oh. He was a failed newspaper reporter who was a freeloader all his life, and he came up with this BS idea that appeals to the likes of occasional cortex. I reached out to the uh, the young woman who wrote an article about that very thing, about how ridiculous that this is, mm-hmm. and I've reached out to her to potentially have her on as a guest. When did she write about this? Uh, Earlier this week? In what paper? Uh, It was online. Online? Uh, I think it was Campus Reform. I can't remember. Well, there it is, folks. Uh, Count your blessings. We made it. We made it. Hey. We made it. We're here. We're we're playing with 19 years of house money, aren't we? We we really are. Yeah. And now we got another 12. Do you think? I'm going to open up a bottle of bourbon tonight. I'm (laughs) happy to live. Do you think this guy was, because weren't we worried about Y2K? So when when we struck midnight in 2000, we went, damn it. We're still here. Yeah, you know I was worried about computers blowing up and calling <laughs> Joe. What was, my, what was my biggest regret of, of uh, Y2K? Uh, uh, that night? No, I bought a little bit of it. See, I was naive enough to... I remember calling you. I went Were to you tar- I went to Target. 
And I must have bought. Stocked up, did you? $300 worth of batteries. <laughs> to last them, you know, a two weeks out. Every, when it's single, every single one of them expired on the shelf at my in my garage. They were never, after months and months and months and months, and I check them every day. It's still yeah, coming. They're still in there. Still, still in there. Be, huh? I'm waiting for the, you know, you the dummy. bleep to hit the fan. You dummy. Batteries. You thought, I remember you did think a little bit that the computers weren't going to work. Um, Elevators uh, were going to stop. Planes right. were going to fall, fall out, out of the, of the air. Sky, yeah. So I bought batteries because that might keep a plane from falling out oh, of yeah. the air. <laughs> keep it up there. <laughs> what did I learn in that episode? Uh, Don't buy the BS. You are a sucker. I am. I am. We're going to come back with Johnny Height. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Suchere. Can I tell that one on the air? No. I needed more Joe. I needed more time for that joke. I'm never getting out of here. I'm nuts. Jan, yeah. Before we uh, before we get to the news, yeah. Warren writes: uh, Planet Earth is over 4.5 billion years old. Continental drift into the current land uh, country configuration was about 125 million years ago. Human beings developed within the past 30,000 years. The last Wisconsin glacial episode, including Minnesota, covered these states with a glacier one mile thick. This Emian interglacial started the year 150,000 B.C. and ended in the Younger Dryas in the year of 11,700 B.C. Retreat of the glaciers allowed humans to migrate to the Americas. NASA and NOAA reported in February of 2019 that 2018 was the fourth warmest year since 1880. What was the weather in 718, 1618, 818, or 118 AD? Humans can continue to control the environment like smog. Humans cannot control or change the climate or weather. Stop wasting time, taxes, grants, or emotions on the global climate and figure out ways to reduce government expenses, taxes, and government control over our freedom. Thanks for listening. I just had to get this out of my thoughts. Love the podcast, Warren. Here, here. Remember the great quote from yesterday? Oh, yeah. What was that? If you're too smart to believe... In religion, yep. you're stu- you're too stupid to realize you already belong to one. That's right. right. Yeah. <clears throat> Here's Johnny Height in the newsroom. Thank you, Joe. Uh, this update brought to you by RF Moeller Jeweler. Uh, I also found a note: Doctor Brown, who predicted the world would be gone by 2000. Yeah, that's Noel Brown. He's he's pretty good. His job right now? Yeah. He's CEO of. Friends of the United Nations. I don't, oh, I don't know what they do. <laughs> that's okay. a made up. That's like that's working a, for uh, Melvin Carter's cabinet. A Dakota County judge has ruled the man authorities say pushed an eight-year-old boy from a slide platform at the Apple Valley Aquatic Center last summer remains incompetent to stand trial. No. That ruling was issued following a review hearing for Roman Adams and Hastings. Adams charged with third-degree assault in August. Court documents say Adams was found incompetent due to reasons of mental illness in January. Another review hearing in the matter is scheduled for September 16th. According to the complaint, officers responded to a medical call at the center regarding an 8-year-old boy with a broken leg. Upon arrival, officers observed the child lying on the concrete sidewalk below a water slide. The investigation determined the child had been standing on the platform at the top of the slide when a male picked the child up and threw him over the railing. 
platform is 28.1 feet from the ground. Oh. Adams was located and identified as the suspect. According to the complaint, an officer questioned Adams about what had happened. He reportedly told police he was waiting in line to use the slide, and it was taking a long time. So he just picked up a random kid and threw him. Yep, he admitted then yep. to throwing the child off the platform because it was taking too long. If he's be, and I know he does suffer from, uh, is it a is some issues? Some issues. I, I get that, but if if they're going to let him slide on this trial, that means that they're that he's just going to be able to be out in public and potentially do this again to some other kid. That's not that's not right. I'm sorry. Well, he won't get out until they you don't think find, he, find him if he competent. can't if he can't stand or if he's not. Well, fit well to they'd stand have trial. to find him competent to be out in the public before he'd be released from the, the facility. All right. A Minnesota political consultant is scheduled to stand trial on accusations he assaulted his then-girlfriend and tried to stop her from calling 911 during a dispute in 2017. 65-year-old Jonathan Onestad was charged in Hennepin County District Court by an Orono City attorney for two misdemeanor counts of domestic assault, one count each of misdemeanor disorderly conduct, and a gross misdemeanor interfering with a 911 call charge. Onestad most recently served as spokesperson for Jim Newberger in his unsuccessful race against Amy Klomachar last year. According to a 2015 Star Tribune article detailing his legal debts regarding civil disputes with neighbors, Onestad was tapped as Republican Party spokesperson in 2009 and quit after just one day and worked instead as a consultant for several other years. Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson says he does intend to leave his post at the end of President Trump's first term. Carson made the remarks in a segment airing on Newsmax TV. In his two years leading HUD, Carson has dialed back civil rights enforcement at the agency and suspended Obama-era rules that had been aimed at fighting housing segregation and discrimination. He said, I will certainly finish out this term. I would be interested in returning to the private sector because I think you have just as much influence, maybe more influence, there. Trump. Uh, I'm, I was trying to grab you in a pause here. Why mm-hmm. did he not go... Farther, who? Carson. What? What happened? Farther in what? In in politics. What was his? He he was he started out as a, this is the Republican Obama. We are going to love this well, guy. There were many Republican candidates that fell by the wayside. But I mean, as a as the next African American potential president as a Republican, what was his? Why was he? Too many skeletons in the closet. He had some. Yeah, he had some. Oh, I don't even. Okay, I don't remember those. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Trump appointed Carson, a retired neurosurgeon who gained notoriety for his pioneering surgery, separating conjoined twins to lead HUD. His two-year tenure as HUD secretary got off to a rocky start after he allowed his son to help organize an agency listening tour. He also came under congressional scrutiny. Uh, you might remember this. He had uh, tried to redecorate his office, and it cost a lot of money. Yep. And the, But the nepotism. We can't have any nepotism in politics. <laughs> so let the kid run the deal. Didn't he have statues of himself in his house or something was, like that? I don't I remember don't. all the deals. There were a few yeah. things, yeah. Old uh, Ben. Well, you know, he's probably not more arrogant than the current guy. We oh, have no, 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 no. <laughs> With a golden toilet, I think. I don't know. Our guy loves the pictures of himself in tennis sweaters. Remember those tennis sweaters? Sure. They were white with the, with the colored uh, V <laughs> collar. Yep. yep. Uh, here's I a, have mine on today. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice touch. Here's a plane you did not want to be on. Passengers on the plane from Beijing to Los Angeles were ordered to immediately evacuate amid fears, quote, it would explode. After a dramatic emergency landing in four Sub- of us, yeah. who's, who's getting off first? Yeah, who's uh, trying to? Get- <laughs> Joe pushes all of us down. You get out of my way, and I hope you make it. 
The plane had. To I see. I see my guy that sits to the right of me. I'd have an the, exit seat. In the ju- me. No, no. He'd already be in the jump seat right by the right when you go in with the flight attendant. That's right. Ready to open that sucker. I'll we, help hey, you. hey, quit circling. Let's go. This thing's gonna blow. Yep. Uh, it had to land in subarctic Russia. The cabin was said oh. was oh. said to be full of screams and panic. Over Give me your sus- jacket. Over a suspected <laughs> fire in the baggage hold on the Air China Boeing 777. Footage, footage shows the 188 passengers coming down emergency chutes in the Arctic Chukotka. I'm sorry, I just stepped on you, ma'am. I'm just. Uh... <laughs> Good luck Don't to worry. you. You're right. not going to survive anyway. The whole thing is going to explode. All right, I'll take explode. one kid with me. Hand me a kid. Once I'm off. Yeah. <laughs> Hand me somebody's yeah. kid. <laughs> one passenger posted online, when the flight attendant opened the door, she started yelling, drop everything. Get the hell out. Evacuate oh. immediately. The plane is going to explode. I would have handled this really well. Here? The, uh, yeah, he's taking the beverage cart right, you with got him. Hey, what's, what's in the top drawer? I'm waiting. I follow it down the chute. <laughs> <laughs> the passenger said the cabin was oh. full of screams and panic, and the oh flight attendant God. tried to do her best to maintain order. Said there was terror on the flight as it made the emergency landing in Anadir, capital of Chukotka, Russians eastern, Russia's easternmost town, where the temperature was reported as 20 below zero. One video showed terror-stricken passengers rushing to escape. Earlier, it had been reported the alarm system suggested a fire in the baggage hold. The Chinese crew immediately sought the landing at the nearest airport. Deputy Governor Leonid Nikolaev said all passengers were accommodated in the international flight zone and the airport VIP hall. They were provided with food and drink. No injuries were reported. John, I may have missed you covering this uh, during our, our laughing, but... It's it's very it would be very uncommon for the uh, flight attendants or crew to say this plane's going to explode. Yeah. How did that get out? That was just uh, passengers talking. Uh, there wasn't an official word from the flight crew that one passenger said the flight attendant opened the door and yelled, "Drop everything! Evacuate immediately! The plane will explode." Oh, that's okay, no so. different than Bob Casey. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There's a bomb that will go off in five <laughs> whatever, minutes. Whatever happened to our foreign language page of, of stuff uh, here? GL Foreign? Yeah. There is a code, though, I, that and if you hear a flight attendant say oh, this, I found it. Okay. that yeah. you should be fearful. Is, isn't that right? That what she is says, I don't know. Okay. I'm unaware. I thought maybe, I was ho- Get out of my way. I'm coming down <laughs> the chute. Get out of my way. That's Chinese for a 24-year-old Wisconsin man arrested after police say he stabbed another person over a burrito. That's not right. Eau Claire police said in a Facebook what kind of burrito said in a right. Facebook post that officers were made aware of the stabbing in the 400 block of Water Street at about 2:40 a.m. on Sunday. Nothing go. good happens at 2:40 a.m. Especially with a burrito. Nothing good because officers, you know he was trying to put the fire. Out. Oh yeah. <laughs> officers used public space cameras to find the fleeing suspect as emergency personnel arrived on the scene to transport the victim. Police were then able to locate and arrest the suspect, Jason Fox, a few blocks from the scene. Officers learning from witnesses that Fox had been upset with the victim and his friends after he thought they cut him off in line to get a burrito at El Patio. Ah. The restaurant then closed, and when the victim left El Patio, Fox confronted him, upset he didn't get a burrito. Police said after arguing with each other briefly, Fox stabbed the victim in the chest. The victim was treated and released at the hospital. Fox charged with substantial battery and use of a dangerous weapon. Another Wisconsin story, a Wisconsin teenager reportedly admitted 
putting cow tranquilizers in his stepfather's energy drinks because he thought it would be funny. <laughs> Do we know how old? Uh, 17. 17. 17-year-old 17 Tyler Rabenhorst Malone. What was the name of the, uh, the energy drink that he was uh, consuming, John? <laughs> Thrasher. He's been charged with placing foreign objects in edibles and second-degree recklessly endangering safety. The town of Lima teen admitted to the crime because he thought it would be funny, but told authorities he meant no harm to his stepdad. The stepfather first went into the hospital in January 2018 with a droopy face and slurred speech, <laughs> among other symptoms. And he was mooing. <laughs> the man told doctors he believed the symptoms came from drinking energy drinks, what stress, happened to my monster? <laughs> and lack of sleeping. Sounds like Reavers after a couple of those monsters. In the what studio. town was this, John? Uh, Lima... Wisconsin, L-I-M-E. Someone get me another Red Bull. This is beer. (laughs) Well, that's your your address. (laughs) When the same thing happened again, the man reportedly started to keep an eye on what he was drinking. Teen's mother also told officials a box of Oxycontin mixed with rompin vanished from their barn. Oh, my God, help me. (laughs) Stepfather started to suspect the stepson was up to something when he found used syringes. Officials said liquid recovered from the man's drinks tested positive for xylazine, a drug used for tranquilizing large cattle. The syringes also reportedly tested positive. The teen is due back in court. How did he on not March die? 18th. In all honesty, I, I don't know. Uh, syringes uh, lying around randomly would be any type of red flag. I think in, it'd be a tip-off, wouldn't it, man? Yeah, and that, that something unusual is happening here. I right say, now. I wonder what that is. I wonder who's using syringes. Why is this phone flashing? Right, <laughs> right. Wrestling legend. So I can see now. Like I've got my self position, so I can't see it. Atta boy. Wrestling legend King Kong Bundy, real name Christopher Pollies, has died. He was 61 years old. WWE said in a statement, WWE is saddened to learn that legend King Kong Bundy has passed away. We extend condolences to his family, friends, and fans. He's nope. a big fat guy. Well, no cause of yeah. death is yet known. However, he was six foot four and weighed in at four hundred fifty-eight pounds. That might have had something to do with it. Yeah, but sixty-one, yes. sadly, is a pretty good run in the wrestling world, especially if you weigh four hundred fifty pounds. Yeah. In addition to pro wrestling, Pally's played two different roles on TV's Married with Children. First as Peggy's brother. Remember and, that? I don't. And then as his wrestling character. <laughs> He also appeared in Richard Pryor's movie, Moving. Remember that? Nope. He also had a guest spot on Boy Meets World. So your only connection with King Kong Bundy is from uh, wrestling? Yes. Okay. Polly's also tried his hand at stand-up comedy. His wrestling name was a combination of the monster King Kong and serial killer Ted Bundy. Oh, oh. that's fun. Wasn't there a King Kong Brody? King Kong Brody? Is that what Guy Green used to do? <laughs> yes, I think when he was doing Wally, he yeah. King Kong Brody. Yeah, King Kong Brody. <laughs> Maybe he meant King Kong Bundy. Maybe he meant King Kong Bundy. Maybe he was saying King Kong Bundy, and I thought it was Maybe Brody. Maybe he thought it was Brody, yeah. Yeah, or Bundy. Brody. Huh? The Star Tribune announced back in 2017, but kept relatively quiet ever since, Live Nation's new Minneapolis Fillmore Theater is finally under construction in the North Loop. Who's paying for that? Uh, due to open in the first quarter of 2020 near the Target Field Station Commuter Hub, the 2,000-person concert venue is modeled after the legendary 1960s San Francisco rock form, the Fillmore West, including a large chandelier in the middle of the club. A 156-room Element by Weston Hotel is also part of the project. It's the fifth major development in the North Loop by United Properties, owned by the Polad family, alongside the Twins. A United Properties representative said the hotel is on target for completion by this fall. 
As for the rock and roll side of the property, the involvement of Los Angeles-based giant Live Nation, the world's largest concert promoter, promises to shake up the Twin Cities music scene a bit. Minneapolis Fillmore gives Live Nation a mid-sized general admission venue to compete against First Avenue's original main room in Minneapolis and the First Avenue-managed Palace Theater in St. Paul. 36,000-square-foot Fillmore will be the third Minneapolis music venue managed by Live Nation, which helped lead the 2018 reopenings of the Armory and the Varsity Theater. Mm. Warren County, Virginia, only about 75 miles west of Washington, D.C., but a recent incident there, uh, well, it uh, sounds more like the Wild West. Mariah Smith of Arlington and another woman were riding horses in a cemetery on Reliance Road in Middletown Saturday night, according to the Warren County Sheriff's Office. Smith fired her pistol when someone told them to get the horses out of the cemetery property. Ooh, no. Deputies detained the women after finding them nearby on Cawthorn Mill Road. Authorities say Smith had a 38 Smith & Wesson on her, and she was inebriated. Really? She was arrested and charged with three firearms they charges. Know I could ride a horse. Including <laughs> possessing a concealed firearm while under the influence. Authorities did not identify the other woman riding a horse and said Smith was the only one that fired. A pistol. Man, there's a lot of this stuff I could put in my loose leaf binder. Mm-hmm. You didn't Look do at that. this. I never rode through a cemetery mm-hmm. uh, on a horse <laughs> shooting, a at, shooting at people. Right, right. Never have done that. No. You didn't put horse tranquilizer in no, anybody's never, never, never drink. Did never yeah. did. Never no. did. Never had a syringe. I've never owned a syringe, for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, there's still time here on Fat Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. You, you might. <laughs> thank you, Johnny. Yeah. All yeah. right. And uh, thank you, GLers. This was podcast number 111. We hope you enjoy it, because we we are enjoying it. We've got one of of the most beautiful podcast studios in the United States. Yeah, and you can check out uh, some of the social media. Johnny Height did a little couple minutes of uh, video here earlier in the show. Check that out. That's uh, GL Podcast, at GL Podcast. You can find it, or uh, just poke around social media. You're going to find us at garagelogic.com. Features page, the cartoons that Greg Holcomb is creating are fabulous. Don't forget to rate us on Apple iTunes and so much more. And we'd love for you to advertise if you like what you're hearing. Give us a buzz. Get in touch with us through social media or just go to garagelogic.com. Garage Logic podcast version signing off number 111. See you next time.